Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 45. The birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. So it is nearly Christmas. Isn't that exciting? Don't you love it when you get to December and then you can just go like all out for Christmas? Or is it just me? So apparently my mum has posted me an advent calendar, which is very exciting, but I wasn't there when the postman delivered it and it's too big to fit through my letterbox, which I was sad about until then I realised that it's now the 8th of December, which means when I pick up my advent calendar, I just get to eat like a week's worth of chocolate in one go, which I think is a total winner, right? Yeah, anyone else with me? But everyone has their favorites, their favorite things to do at Christmas time. Like we always have to have this particular food. That's the one we want at Christmas. And we always have to watch this movie at this point. We have to put the tree up on this day and it has to be this way. We have to open our presents in this order. And don't you dare upset the system because there is a system in every household about how Christmas morning works. You'll argue until you are blue in the face over which Christmas movie is the best. And obviously, it's a wonderful life, right? Yeah? Murmurs of appreciation there. Some of you obviously are my friends in this room. The rest of you are just wrong. But there's nothing like, this is my favorite bit, there's nothing like that first day of the year when you feel 
Christmassy. Do you know what I mean? Like you didn't feel it up until then. And now you feel Christmassy. You know, when you turn to the people around you and you're like, I feel Christmassy today. I don't know why. I didn't feel it up until now, but now I feel Christmassy. Yeah. For me, that uh, happens sometime around like mid-July or so. Yep, I am one of those, I'm one of those people. But you know, I, I don't ask anybody else to get involved. I just keep it all to myself and I keep it inside. And I'm just, you know, going around midsummer, feeling Christmassy. It's great. It's all about nostalgia, isn't it, you know? Like not all, not all the time, we're not always up for nostalgia, but at Christmas, we love it. It's a really big thing. And Christmas has this way of, of bringing things to the surface that all year long we've managed to quash. Whether like me, it is your extreme enthusiasm for the season, or belting Christmas carols, or eating mince pies, even though, I've been thinking about this, I am convinced that none of us are actually sure if we like them. Do you know what I mean? Because they're kind of weird. And it, you're eating it and it's here in front of you and, and inside there's this monologue going on like, do I like this? I don't know, it's kind of weird, but it's Christmas, so I have to eat it. You know, it's a crisis, it really is. But it's deeper than that as well, isn't it? Like this time of year, it highlights our longings. We remember, we, we think back and we look ahead. We acknowledge what we have, often with thanks. And we, we recall what we have lost, sometimes with grief. Or we remember and long for the things that we have never had. In the throes of all of these things, we can get distracted and miss the point of this season. We've heard part of the Christmas story tonight read for us, and actually the bits that we've read tonight, they're the precursor. So that's the bit before Jesus is born, and it is such a crazy story. I mean, there is nothing quaint about this story, what we celebrate at this time of year. It is wild already, and Jesus hasn't even been born yet. This priest, Zechariah, that we read about earlier, he's been struck dumb for months. He can't speak a word. There have been two visits from angels with mad news and two pregnant women, which doesn't really strike you initially as odd until you realize that one of them is very old and for her whole life has been unable to have children, and the other is very young and also still a virgin. Suddenly, the fact that they are both pregnant becomes something to pay attention to. That bit we heard just now, Joe read it for us. It's about the meeting of those two mothers carrying these two babies yet to be born. This is the moment in the middle. The bit that we know it's coming. 
You know, the bit with the baby in the manger and the shepherds and the sky filled with angelic song announcing the birth of Jesus. But for now, we're in the middle. It's the in-between of promise made and promise fulfilled. Do you feel that? I mean, that's where we are, isn't it? We're in the middle. Who knows what this week will bring for our country politically? Who knows what this next, this next decade that we're entering into will bring for our planet environmentally? Who knows what this next year will bring for you personally? The middle is a place of uncertainty. It's often an unsteady place. It is almost always an unknown place. It's not necessarily a, a bad place, but it is the not yet place. And Christmas is one of those times of the year when all of this stuff kind of bubbles to the surface and we have to look at it or deal with it family stuff and friendship stuff and money stuff, all caught up in the middle of these noisy bursts of color festivities. In the middle, we are longing for something. We are hoping for something. We are holding out for a different story, right? And that is what we get at Christmas. We get a different story. So we read about these two women. We've heard their story all night, Mary and Elizabeth. And we know it well, you know, we know the things that happen, but let's be realistic. Like neither of these women were in ideal scenarios. We can idealize the story and romanticize it away, but it was not like exactly what they were hoping for. Elizabeth is old. We don't know how old, but we do know that at least any vain hope that she had of having a child had been eclipsed by her ever advancing years. And then suddenly by some miracle, she finds herself pregnant. And that is amazing but we would be kidding ourselves if we didn't think that she had some sort of anxiety around that. I mean, how would she care for this baby in old age? What would people think of her? You know, she would be that woman. Her husband had some crazy experience in the temple and now he can't speak, so she's muddling through this pregnancy in silence. How long would she actually be around for, for this child's life? And then Mary, on the other end of the spectrum, a teenager, unmarried and pregnant by a divine miracle. Try explaining that one to your parents. And just in case it's not enough, it's also the Son of God. I mean... This is not what either of them expected. And they could be forgiven for hiding away. But that is not what they do. And you see, 
That's our first clue that there is a different story at play here because where there should have been fear and worry and shame and anxiety for these women, there is a defiant, a powerful, prevailing rejoicing. In the face of all they are facing, these women rejoice. Did you see that? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. It is joyful and defiant. These women see the middle differently. For them, the in-between of promise made and promise fulfilled is not a place of dulled waiting and of hiding and of worry or shame or dread or despair. The middle for them, in spite of all that is around them, is a place to exclaim loudly, to leap for joy. It is a place to believe. What do they believe in? Or who, you might say? Well, here's the kicker. And maybe, quite literally, they believe in the baby that is growing and forming in Mary's womb. They believe in Jesus, the savior of the world. They believe in who he is and what he will do long before he is even born because they have been reading it for years and years and years and we read it earlier too. It began generations before Mary and Elizabeth and it echoes down through the years right to this very moment that we are in now. That the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus. That those living in the land of deep darkness, right in the middle of the mess, a light has dawned. Jesus, this child given, this son born, he is called many things, but here are four for us tonight. Wonderful counselor. The one with a plan for our world and for each of our lives. Jesus, this wonderful counselor, sees you right where you are and he has taken you into account. He has taken you into account. You are seen and known and noticed by him. He is your wonderful counselor. 
And he is mighty God, which means that he's the strong one. And this is not a strength of force or or coercion, but it is a strength that holds us up when we don't have the strength for ourselves. And it is a strength that holds us even when we think we do. He is mighty God, and he is our everlasting Father. The perfection of fatherhood, not the reflection of our own experiences. He is the Father who can be counted on. And he's our Prince of Peace. Do you need some peace? Of course you do. We long for assurance. If anything, the majority of our daily activity screams to us that we are longing for assurance, that we are longing for peace, that we are longing for affirmation of who we are. And the prince of peace, the true and truest light of the world has come. This is the promise that is made to us. This is what is given to us. This and so much more. And here in the middle of it all, these two women holding the messenger, John, and the Messiah, Jesus, meeting in utero. The word was becoming flesh and was very much making his home amongst us. That's what Jesus did for us. He came and he made his home amongst us. Jesus left his home in heaven to make his home here amongst us, right in the middle of all of our stuff. And he gave himself completely and unreservedly for us. And he did it all. He did it all so that we could finally come home. We are homesick for this promise. That ache in you, that's what it is. We are homesick for the promise of Jesus, for the promise of home. So, what of it? What does it bring for us? Like, why, why did Jesus come? Well, he came to bring us salvation. He came to save us. And maybe you know exactly what that means, but maybe some of you have heard that, you, that word used in a way that has not been helpful or that's made you feel very guilty. Do you know what that word means? It means wholeness. 
wholeness. This is what Jesus does. He brings wholeness home to us. That's the promise. That's why John leapt for joy in his mother's belly. Wholeness. That's why the angels filled the sky with song. That is why the shepherds ran. That is why the wise men traveled miles and miles and miles. And that is why we do all of this. Because in Jesus, we have wholeness that is so far and beyond anything we could imagine. Do you believe it? Do you believe that there is wholeness for you? That there is wholeness for your family? That there is wholeness for your pain? That there is wholeness for your shame and your mistakes? and your regrets. And it is found. This wholeness is found and it is met and it is completed in the person of Jesus. This is what we come home to at Christmas. Wholeness, not brokenness wholeness, not hopelessness. This Christmas and every Christmas and every day, in fact, we are welcomed home. The promise of home held out to us in the middle of it all. The promise of wholeness. Because you see, when Jesus makes his home in you, everything changes and nothing is ever the same again. This promise is held out to each of us tonight as if God is reaching out right here, right into our lives, right into the middle of it all and asking Maybe again, maybe for the first time. Hey, do you believe me? Do you believe me? Do you believe that I have wholeness for you? Come home. Come home. Let me pray for us. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for making your home amongst us so that, that right here we can know wholeness. Thank you for wading right into the middle of our mess, whether self-created or circumstantial. You bring wholeness and hope and healing to those places for us.
So, Jesus, we turn to you, whatever our middle looks like tonight. We want to come home to you in that place and find home in you in that place. Amen.